0: Today, on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. James says, as we'll learn in a moment, that it's a good thing and a great thing for those of us in the church, in the church of Jesus Christ, in this particular fellowship here at Calvary, to have a heart to restore the backslider, to have a heart to go after the lost, those that are wandering, those that are roaming, those that are being ripped off by the enemy. I mean, what kind of church do you want to be? What kind of fellowship family do you want to be marked by? Because Jesus said that those that would look upon the church would know that we're truly his disciples. Not by the name on the side of the building. Not because we own a Bible. Not because we say we're Christian. But he said there's going to be a very evidence of you following me will be to others your love for one another.
1: This is amazing grace. This is amazing. For me We're delighted to share the next half hour with you And welcome again to Abounding Grace Pastor Ed Taylor is about to share the fourth and final message In our series on backsliding And in this study, we'll develop a heart to restore the backslider No doubt you can think of someone in your circle of friends Or even your family that's wandered away from the Lord God can use you to reach
0: and even restore them Here's Pastor Ed in James chapter 5 Hebrews chapter 2 and James chapter 5 as we finish today this four-part mini-series on the topic of backsliding. I thought we were going to finish it last week, but I really believe that this message needs to be the capstone on this topic of drifting away from God and backsliding. And today the Bible study is entitled, A Heart to Restore the Backslider a heart to restore the backslider. Because if there's one thing about sheep that's certain, is that they're prone to stray away from time to time. And remember, when you think of physical sheep, remember, the Bible uses sheep to describe you and me. And if there's one thing that is in all of us to some degree, is our proneness to drift away and to stray away. It's just in a sheep's makeup. It's how they were made and what their, how their minds work. Sometimes they stray so far away that they fall off cliffs to their death. Maybe you read an article not too many years ago from Turkey where I quote, First one sheep jumped to its death, then stunned Turkish shepherds who had left the herd to graze while they had breakfast, watched as nearly 1,500 other sheep followed, each leaping off the same cliff. In the end, 450 dead animals lay on top of one another in a billowy white pile. Those who jumped later were saved as the pile got higher and the fall was more cushioned. There's nothing we can do. They're all wasted, one of the shepherds said, as they lost 20, one of the 26 families whose sheep were grazing together in the herd was quoted as saying. Now, think of that picture. One sheep goes off, and then another one goes, oh, that's a good idea, and they go off, and they go off, and they go off, and isn't it true? Isn't it true, it's so easy not only to drift away, but to be tempted to follow others who do. Sheep eat, sheep sleep, and sheep hear their shepherd's voice. And you can expect it, you can plan for it, sheep stray away. The dictionary defines straying away as this, to wander from company or restraint or to wander from proper limits, to roam about without a fixed direction or purpose, and sometimes straying away can be so difficult that you'll find yourself going over a cliff to your own destruction, and you never really plan for that. That little compromise, that little decision, that brand new ungodly friend, you never planned that the end will be off a cliff and turning your back completely on the God that loves you and saves you. But that's where straying often leads. James says, as we'll learn in a moment, that it's a good thing and a great thing for those those of us in the church, in the church of Jesus Christ, in this particular fellowship here at Calvary, to have a heart, To restore the backslider, to have a heart to go after the lost. Those that are wandering, those that are roaming, those that are being ripped off by the enemy. I mean, what kind of church do you want to be? What kind of fellowship family do you want to be marked by? Because Jesus said that those that would look upon the church would know that we're truly his disciples, Not by the name on the side of the building, not because we own a Bible, not because we say we're Christian, but he said there's going to be a very evident, the the very evidence of you following me will be to others your love for one another. Your love for one another. What kind of church do we want to be? Do we want to be a critical, condemning, fault-finding, judgmental group? Try putting that on a flyer and passing it out in your neighborhood. Hey, join us. We just love to be critical. And we love to judge people that are struggling in sin. And we think we know it all. And we're going to stand in judgment upon a sick and dying world. Seriously, we want to be a grace-filled church. One that reflects the love of God in truth. Don't ever mistake the grace of God as compromising the truth. But it's all in the delivery, isn't it? It's all in the delivery. And really, the delivery is all in the heart of the matter. It's always about the heart. We wanna be a group of people that's known exactly what Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, you also love one another. The very heart of Jesus was what? To seek and to save the lost. And those that are wandering have gone back to a place of living their life as though they were lost. Now, straying happens for a lot of reasons. Remember, notice with me in Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 1, as this mini-series is in the midst of our verse-by-verse study through the book of Hebrews. And we've just paused because we can't get past this important exhortation in verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. You see, straying and backsliding happens for a variety of reasons. And one is right here in verse 1, deliberate rebellion. Deliberate rebellion, not heeding the things that we're hearing. That will lead to being a backslider. It's just the way, that's just the end result. It may happen sooner than later. It may take some time. But when we don't heed what we hear, we drift away. Sometimes backsliding is also, what's the word I want to use? It begins through pressure, peer pressure, and external forces on a person's life where now they're met with decisions. Should I please these people or should I make up my own mind to follow God? And so there's these pressures that get yielded to. Oh, don't misunderstand me. The decision to backslide is always squarely on the person. But I mean, it can be a pressure-filled world that we live in. Don't think of peer pressure just the what your kids face. Um, adults have peer pressure as well, and the pressure of this world. Sometimes it's a temptation that's, that traps a person and the guard is let down, as we've seen in previous studies, and man, there's this temptation at the right time, really at the wrong, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, and a temptation hits you. But like sheep, we are all prone to wander, just as we sang today. Come thou found of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me Some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mound of thy redeeming love. O to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts. Above, How can we not sing that and yet resonate with the words at various seasons of our life? Prone to wander. Well, jump over, would you, to James chapter 5 as we finalize our time of just, man, Lord, give us a heart. Let us tap into your heart to seek and to save the lost. You know, Jesus has a heart for the lost. There's no question about that. And you can jot it down in Luke chapter 15, as there's a series of parables that Jesus gives about that which is lost was found. That which was lost was found. You know, there's a sheep rejoicing. There's a coin that was found rejoicing. A son that returns rejoicing. And the end of that chapter, excuse me, in the beginning of that chapter, in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, it says, I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So keep that in mind as we pick up in James chapter 5, verse 19. James chapter 5, verse 19. Brethren... If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. That's how James decides to end his letter. The letter of practicality. The letter where he teaches us that that faith without works is dead. That he's such a practical man. And how does he decide to, to, to end his letter? He says, look guys, look brethren, look fellow believer. Listen, if anyone among you wanders, you could say that here today. Hey brethren, if anyone in this room today wanders, ends up wandering away from God and someone else here turns him back, let him know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way is gonna save a soul and cover a multitude of sins. Straying is going to happen among us in this room. Percentage-wise, the amount of people that gather together here on a weekend service in our church, literally the way the percentages go, hundreds of people that would be once here worshiping and, and raising their hands and, and raising their kids and living their life in Jesus Christ aren't with us. And I always remember that from time to time when I see empty seats here, because I have a vantage point of the church that you don't have the privilege of, and that is, I get to see your faces, and I get to minister to your faces. I get to see you, and I know that so-and-so used to sit there, and they're not there anymore. And I remember there was that group of family, a large family used to take up the whole row, and they're not here anymore. Now, of course, any m- number of reasons could, could lead them. They could have moved away, they could have gone to another church, they, there's a many a number of reasons, but a lot of times, the reason is they've just drifted away. They started out strong and not, are not ending well. And there is someone that's listening to me that will stray away. Don't think of straying away just physically either. I use the example of a few empty chairs, but that's not the point. That's not even, people can stray away and actually be sitting in a chair right now. <laughs> you can be seeing me face to face, and you're here physically but spiritually and mentally, you are as far away from the things of God that you could possibly be, where you have no desire to be here. You have no desire whatsoever to to worship God, to submit your life to God. You have no desire to any longer follow him, but rather you're here physically, but simply going through the motions. Now I have to say, for those that stray away, It's much better to be sitting in a chair right now listening to me than it would be to be somewhere else going off messing around and doing something else. Because at least you're getting 90 minutes of being a taste of heaven. At least you're getting 90 minutes uh, of being in the company of other people that do love God and remind you of your love that has been now lost. You left your first love some time ago. And it's good that you're here. And it's good that you're listening, because the Holy Spirit loves you and is longing for you to come back into relationship. But straying happens in a variety of ways, which leads to the question in this. We haven't answered it yet in our series on backsliding. I mean, we have to some degree, but what is, who are backsliders? Who are exactly backsliders? If you're taking notes, let me give you a couple of options. Because, you know, I think we're, we ask the question, we get in, we, when we're talking to something like this, it's very easy to get all theological. And let's make it a big theological argument. Why don't we? Because what system of belief do we have? And were they saved or were they not saved? And are you eternally saved or not eternally saved? And then before you know it, you're arguing about things theologically, some theological argument, and you're not even caring about the lost. You want to figure out who they are first before. Don't worry about whether they're saved, unsaved. Don't worry about that. Just go get them. Just go get them, have a heart for them. Well, you don't understand that. We need to have it right, theologically tied up. No, no, you, you actually don't because their relationship with God is between God and them. Just go get them, love them, take care of them. You know, don't show up to them, don't show up and find somebody who's been wandering. well, you know, uh, what, what, and you give them a, like a checklist. Have you done this? Have you done this? I don't, and just, just go love on people that you know haven't been around for a while. Maybe your own family and friends. But consider this, number one, I think James has three types of sheep in mind here. Number one, truly lost sheep. What we would refer to today as unbelievers. Because not everybody in a church service is saved. Not everybody that is listening to a Bible study has a real relationship with God. So there are truly lost people that we need to go. And, and Isaiah describes it this way, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. And so sometimes, We don't even look at the term backsliding. They're just straying away. They're lost. Number two, I think that another group of people that can be referred to here is what I would call deceived sheep. Deceived sheep. These are those that look like they they knew the Lord, but have strayed away and have never really known Him at all. They walk away from Jesus because the reason is simply they never really knew Him to begin with. They attended church, they read their Bible, but they never fully or completely or willingly surrendered their lives to Jesus. They were religious and kept religious rituals, but are also in the category of not being saved. You could call them cultural Christians or social Christians, but you can't call them real believers. But again, they've strayed away even from how close they were, how close they were to true salvation And then thirdly, I think the category of backslidden is the third uh, group of people that can be referred to here. These are those that really do know Jesus Christ and have turned their back on him for a season, like the prodigal son. This is something, again, I know that this too has become some some theological argument, but it doesn't need to be, because we read in the scriptures over and over again of true believers turning their back on God. We see that for a time, because if they're really saved, they'll be back. And so we just want to go help them come back. But I can't help about Abraham, the father of faith who strayed and disobeyed God. Or Moses who served God truly, but also murdered someone. I think, he, I think murder would qualify as straying away, don't you? David did the same thing, committing adultery and murder to cover it up. But was David ever a lost son during that time? He was not. He was a foolish man and a man wrapped up in sin, but one that God dealt with him. And he repented, in Psalm 51. Peter in the New Testament, he denied Jesus three times. Not just a denial like, you know, a little, uh, you know, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. Like it was a public denial to all that were there. And it happened, we think a denial is like, well, just saying, I don't believe in Jesus three times. But you kind of understand, this was at the deepest moment of need In Jesus' life, he not only abandoned him and ran away from him, but in his time away, he denied him three times. The one that he devoted his entire life to. And did Peter come back? Not only did he come back, but Jesus personally restored him into ministry, personally. Told him he loved him three times. And then, man, go take care of the sheep, Peter. You blew it. But we're not going to focus on that. Move forward. Step up. And that's the entirety of his life. So in verse 20, it says, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul. He who turns a sinner, a brother, a believer, an unbeliever, those that turn people away from their sin is a good thing. I personally believe that if James was here today, he'd probably say stop trying to figure out who these people are, whether they're saved or not, and just go get them. Go reach out to them. Pray for them. You know, right now you might be so stirred right right now to, to move in this way, but you don't know anyone right now that's straying. I believe if you begin to pray for people that are straying, God will reveal to you all kinds of people around you that currently are in your life and your circle of influence that you'll be able to be used in your life to reach and to minister the gospel to. But to set aside the practicality of the Bible to try to argue and figure things out, God is just not going to bless that. He doesn't bless theological arguments while a world is dying and going to hell. Don't misunderstand me. I believe we need to have our theology in order, but sometimes it takes precedent over the love that God wants to show people. And you can hold fast to the foundations that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He lived, he died, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He's in the, sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, and there's no other name under heaven by which a man or a woman can be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. That if you and I, not me anymore, but if you die in your sins, you will spend a Christless eternity of your own choice and your own doing because God has done everything that he possibly can. He's provided every way available to you and me to be right with him and to come into a whole real relationship with him. You know, that's the real essence. And there's a lot of other things, secondary things, that people like to argue about. But while you're arguing, you're not being useful for the kingdom. James is practical. His heart, like the heart of Jesus, is simply to seek and to save which is lost. I heard about a group of herdsmen in the third world country that had no numbering system. Nowhere in their culture was there any kind of numbers or math or anything like that. And the funny thing is, is that they had flocks and they had to keep track of them. So a visitor came one day and asked the one of the men, "How do you keep track of all your animals if you don't count them?" And he answered very quickly the shepherd did and confidently he said, "Sir, when they come back at when they come back at night, I miss their face." See, there was such an intimacy with the sheep that the shepherd knew their face. And when when you stray, you're not just a number or a statistic. You know, you, we don't sit around at staff meetings and say, oh, you know, we lost another five this week. Oh, well. As a matter of fact, we don't even count. Because that which you count is that which you worry about. And so we don't count. Somebody might ask, how many people attend church on the weekend? I don't know. I don't know. We never, we don't count. We do what, what difference does it make? Whoever shows up, we're going to minister to them. And uh, we'll, we want to have room for them. I guess the only difference that it makes it, make sure we have room for the people that want to worship God here. But I do, we do notice when people are gone. We do talk about the people we haven't seen in a while. We do talk about what's going on in in the life of our congregation. And, you know, I thought this this picture was so beautiful because that's that's so much how I relate to our fellowship is by face. And we're not just numbers to the Lord. We're all faces. That's an intimacy. There's a uniqueness about our face. There's a uniqueness about our person that's seen in our face. We express ourselves so often through our face and to think that God knows us, that he loves us, and that he wants us back.
1: Thanks for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor and a message called A Heart to Restore the Backslider. This is the fourth and final message in our series on the topic of backsliding. You can obtain the four-part series on CD by calling our office today at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. That's 877-304-7223. Another way to grow as you're on the go is to download the Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora and both apps will pop up. This month, we picked out a book we think you'll enjoy. It's called Living Water by Chuck Smith. In it, Pastor Chuck paints a wonderful picture of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. You can experience the refreshing streams of living water filling your life and then flowing from your life to a thirsty world. Learn how this can become a reality as you read Living Water. We'll send it your way when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more. And please remember this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners. And we'd appreciate it if you'd remember us in your giving to the Lord. Call toll free at 877 30 Grace or go online to CalvaryAurora.org. You can also write to Abounding Grace. Post Office Box 460598, Aurora, Colorado 80046. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll share the rest of Ed Taylor's message A Heart to Restore the Backslider. We hope you can join us. This is amazing grace.